20 years later, the vast majority of people who have been on this podcast weren't even born yet. But the impact on us, it's been profound. The next 20 years, and the 20 years after that, even the 20 years after that, the impact of the September 11 tragedies on our country and the world will still affect us. Never forget those tragedies and give your loved ones a hug today. All right, now for a more positive time. Welcome back to Full Court Press. I'm your host, Liam Griffin. Nick, fans back in the Carrier Dome Saturday. It's about time, man. It is, man. I'm so excited that we've never got to experience that as only sophomores. And uh, I'm, I'm not really expecting every single seat to be filled, but I'm, I am expecting a good crowd, so I'm excited. Yeah, as am I. I mean, sellouts these days in sports are not exactly common, but, I mean, first game back in the Dome, I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be an electric crowd. All right, boys and girls, back on the show today is the man still reeling after his Cowboys had that oh-so-close affair the other night, Mr. Nick Luttrell. And we'll be talking about that in just a little bit. We'll also be talking about Clemson getting their butts kicked by Georgia, the Yankees free-falling, and so much more. And we're actually going to start with the epic Thursday night game from the other night. So, Dallas and Tampa Bay played a much closer, much better game than I think anyone would have predicted. And it came down to a Ryan suck-up field goal with two seconds to go to put Tampa Bay over the hump, 31 to 29. But Dak Prescott looked really good. He really did. And the three missed kicks from Greg the Leg Zerline really came back to bite Dallas in the end. So, Nick, what were your thoughts on Thursday night's affair? Well, like you said, Dak Prescott, his first game back from being uh, having that gruesome injury, they did a couple games into this season last year, and to see him back out there was great. Just as, like you said, I am a Cowboys fan. I'm a little bit of a Cowboys fan. Not super passionate, but I, I would consider myself a Cowboys fan. Or just if you're just watching as average uh, NFL fan, even though I know a lot of people hate the Cowboys, but for a lot of people it's probably good to see Prescott back out there. And he was doing – he picked up where he left off. I mean, he passed like – I don't know, he threw it like 60 times or something crazy like that. Like, the rushing game wasn't working that well, so they just went to Dak Prescott, and it worked. Obviously, they didn't get the win, but they played really well, and um, I don't know, that's, that's something you can ask for. All right, so I have a few thoughts on this game. The first yeah. thing I want to address is the, uh, the controversial non-call on Chris Godwin late in the game, and that reminds me of – when Kevin King was called for holding at the end of the NFC Championship game, a move that ultimately cost the Green Bay Packers the football game. So, in my opinion, it's not OPI. There was contact on both sides. He was There was maybe a little bit of a push-off, but certainly not enough to throw an OPI there. And But another thought I have is, is worried about what Dallas can do. So, Tampa Bay did not play well in this game. I'm just going to throw it out there. They did not play well. Yes, they scored 31 points, but that was not the Tampa Bay team that we saw in the Super Bowl. It just wasn't. They turned the ball over four times, and Dallas still couldn't beat them. So this this brings up a few points. I don't know how Dallas is going to be able to contend with the top dogs if they have the Buccaneers on a down night like this and can't capitalize. Mm-hmm. And also, 
if the Buccaneers are at full strength, look out. The fact that they were able to still pull out that win, even though they were nowhere near their peak selves, is very terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I was like I said, I was looking at the positives from this game for the Cowboys, but there, like you said, there were lots of negatives because, like Ezekiel Elliott, he had 33 rushing yards. Like that's not that's good. Not, what, not good. That's not where you're wanting out of your star running back who you pay all this money to. So that was disappointing a little bit. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. They, they played well in some parts of it. But again, right. as you said, Tampa Bay gave them many opportunities to win the game, and they just didn't. Even the, the last drive, they could have like scored a touchdown. And, they just seem to end up getting a field goal. I'm still worried uh, so, about that defense too. The defense, I don't even know what to say about the defense. They've never, they've never been good. It seems like. <laughs> but I will give them credit for how good their passing game was. I mean, Cooper Gallup and C.D. Lamb, for that matter, all had excellent games. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's a bright side for them. But being the Cowboys hater that I am, I won't give them too much praise. I'm also not going to give them too much. Doubt because their fans are having a rough time. Their Yankees just got swept by the Blue Jays. So, we'll we'll talk about the Yankees later. Yeah, and, and back to what you're saying about the, the PI call. When I, I was I didn't watch a ton of this game, but I did watch the end, and I was watching that play, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's pass interference. I was like kind of upset, you know, at the TV, and then I watched the replay, and I was like, okay, like once this slows down, it doesn't really seem like you pushed off that much. And in my opinion, I do agree with you. It hurts me to say, but I do agree with you. I think that was a good no call. All right, well, let's move on. The Baltimore Ravens, Nick, oh, my goodness. They have been tormented by injuries. First, it was J.K. Dobbins, who I believe tore his ACL. Justice Edwards, their number number two running back after the Dobbins injury, also gone. Then Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards was slated to start after the Dobbins injury. They tore their ACLs on back-to-back plays in practice. The best cornerback unit in the NFL takes a massive hit. And Baltimore's top three running backs, they're all gone. They're gone, Nick. They're gone. Yeah. So, you know, so Tyson Williams is slated to start for Baltimore right now. But after him, it's Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman straight off the practice squad. What are your thoughts on everything with Baltimore, do you still think they can compete? First of all, it's it's very unfortunate what happened to them. Like, that's just straight up, it's just bad luck, and that's what Harbaugh said um, when he was asked about it. So it's, will they still be able to contend? I don't know. If, if, it, if they have a good offensive line, which I, I'm not, um, as, as I didn't do as much research on our offensive line, but if they have a good offensive line, then you can throw in an average running back just like a couple teams have with a really good quarterback and some good wide receivers, and they could still be contenders and be a good football team. I mean, they have Lamar Jackson. The guy's incredible. So it's just a matter of uh, I'm kind of like old school when I say this, but it's a matter of if the offensive line can do their job, then I think you can stick you know, your average running back back there like Tyson Williams, whoever that is, and he can be just fine. So I would make the argument that Despite what the depth chart says, Baltimore's top running back is still perfectly fine and healthy. And his name is Lamar Jackson. It, it, Lamar Jackson is their number one runner. Let's just uh, let's just get that out the door. It's true. He's, I mean, what more is there to say about his ability to gain go- yards on the ground? So I still think Baltimore can contend. I had them winning the AFC North. Last week in our playoff, in our season preview, 
I think that Cleveland is ultimately going to take the division now as a result of these injuries. But when Lamar Jackson is your quarterback, you still have a chance. You still have a chance. And that receiving core did get better with the addition of Sammy Watkins. They still lack a true wide receiver one. But, I mean, yeah, it's all not looking too great right now. But at the same time, sleeping on Baltimore would be a foolhardy move. Yeah, straight up, just like like you said, Lamar Jackson. You're not going to sleep on a player like that. So, and he, he he can make it. He can make a team really bad and make them look really good. And so he might do that this year. You never know. He's that type of player. He, he most certainly is that type of player. All right. Well, let's get into some of the college football headlines of the week, and we begin in Death Valley. If I told you Syracuse would have a better record than Clemson after Week One. Would you have believed me? Well, no, no it's chance. true. Syracuse beat Ohio 29-9 last week. But more to the point, in a defensive battle, Georgia beat Clemson 10-3. DJ Uyangalele could not find the end zone in his first game as full-time starter. Trevor Lawrence was in the house. Can't imagine. He was too thrilled with his successor's performance. So, Nick, just how concerning is this loss for the Tigers? It's pretty concerning. Um, Georgia is a really good football team, and they're the SEC. But Clemson, if they want to prove themselves among like the greats in college football, and they kind of already have, but this was kind of just a really big game to start off for the college football season, and they just went out there and it was a dud. They all they got was a field goal, and as you said, their quarterback didn't really show up. He had been really hyped up. He played a game or two last year, I believe. And did good and just to see him out there he just wasn't that type of player that we were expecting to be maybe a Heisman contender um, and that might change I was looking I was looking at this game and I was like darn if they would have had this win that would have been awesome but I look at the rest of their schedule and they're not they're not gonna lose a game the rest of the year it's, they're playing in the ACC and there's I don't think they have a ranked opponent left on their schedule and so it's, it, it hurts Clemson and it could be worrisome but they're gonna they're going to probably blow out most of the opponents they're going to play the rest of the way, win the ACC championship, and still be like number three or four when it comes to college football playoff time. Yes, yeah, so let's take a look at Clemson's remaining schedule. They've got South Carolina State tomorrow. I don't know why they're playing them. Georgia Tech, NC State, Boston College, Syracuse. We would all love it if Syracuse won that game, but unfortunately I don't think that's going to happen. Pittsburgh, Florida State, Louisville, UConn, who, by the way, is, oh my, I'm at a loss of words for UConn right now. Wake Forest and SEC South Carolina. So, they're not even facing who we thought was their top contention in the ACC in North Carolina. They're also not facing Miami. So, you look at the schedule, Clemson should have absolutely no problem running the table here and ultimately getting to the ACC championship game. If they lose that, they don't make the playoff. I don't see that happening, though, so... In terms of them making the playoff, I'm not terribly worried about it. But in terms of them beating, you know, the Bamas, the Georgias, the Oklahomas of the world, it's disconcerting. Yeah, they they have to prove prove themselves if they want to, you know, like I said, be a team that's going to be up there among the greats of, like, SEC football. You know, all this conference realignment, people are wanting to join the SEC for a reason because they're so good at a bunch of sports, and the biggest one is obviously football. And Clemson is just in the ACC playing a bunch of easy opponents, and that's it. Just it would have been just a statement win to get to get it, and now it kind of flipped it, and now it's, it's just continuing to prove that the SEC is just the dominant conference. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, just imagine if Clemson were to join the SEC in place of, I don't know, Vanderbilt. That's not a knock on Vanderbilt. They're an excellent baseball school. But in terms of football, they've kind of been down in the doldrums for a while now. I mean, you, you swap Clemson and Vanderbilt conferences, Vanderbilt's still in the ACC, which is Power 5, but the SEC just becomes even that much more of a powerhouse. And, you know, if Clemson was playing SEC competition year in, year out, the question is, would they be the dominant force they are now? And I think that game against Georgia raised those question marks. Yeah, I think they'd go like... Eight, eight and five or something like that. Maybe not that bad. I mean, they're not. Yeah, it's not like it's not like they would be terrible, but yeah, I think their lack of a strong schedule showed when they got their butts kicked by Ohio State last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Oh yeah. All right, let's move on. You want to introduce this next topic, Nick? I can. Um, so. Let's see here. So Oklahoma didn't look too good on on Saturday, Liam, and they faced off against Tulane. And well, it just wasn't it wasn't the type of thing that you want to see uh, as I guess as an Oklahoma fan, which I am not, never will be. But as an Oklahoma fan, it was very disappointing to see your team go out there week one, a top five team. I don't there were I don't know if there were three or four. Or, there were two. Or, uh, there were two. I mean, there were, uh, and one of my friends was telling me, Nick, OU's going to win it all this year. And after week one, I would, I'm not going to ag- agree with that. Um, who was it? That, uh, my name is running blank on on their quarterback. but Spencer, Spencer Rattler. Rattler. Yeah, just, I mean, he looked okay. But the guy from Tulane outplayed him. Like, how do you let that happen? I guess that's more of a testament to the OU defense. But Liam, like, does this scare you for a team like Oklahoma going into the rest of the season? No, and here's why. So, first of all, our prayers are with the city of New Orleans after the devastation from Hurricane Ida. I mean, as if that city had, hadn't already been through a devastating hurricane. This is just, I'm at a loss for words. So, prayers up for the great city of New Orleans. But to that point, it brings me to a wounded animal always fights back harder. This game was supposed to be played in New Orleans at Tulane's home stadium in front of a packed house, first one since winter of 2019. It was supposed to be, you know, the the return. And it just got quite literally flooded away. So, I mean, I think that I'm not certain that Oklahoma's competition the rest of the way is going to play quite as good of a game as what they saw out of the green wave last weekend. That's not a knock on Tulane. They played one heck of a game, and I have all all the respect in the world belongs to belongs to Tulane. But let's take a look at Oklahoma's upcoming schedule. I believe they are they're the number four team in the country. So let's Nick. Who are they playing tomorrow? They're playing WCU West Carolina. Then let's take a look at who else they've got. Nebraska West, fraud. West Carolina, West Carolina has a chance of winning according to the ESPN. Oklahoma is a 49.5 point favorite. So let's take a look at who they've got after that. Yeah. So Uh, they've got Nebraska. They're frauds. West Virginia, no. Kansas State, no. Texas, give me a break. It's only a matter of time before they choke again. TCU, Kansas, Texas Tech, Baylor, 
Iowa State and Oklahoma State. So you look at this, there's only one game on this schedule that I could realistically see Oklahoma losing, and it's to Iowa State. That game is in Norman. They're not going to lose that game. They're just not going to lose that game, and that's the truth of the matter, Nick. So all this in mind, Oklahoma should have no problem running the table, even though they saw the absolute best version of Tulane that we'll probably see all season. Yeah, I feel like OU does this a lot. Like I feel like every year there's just a couple games where you're like, where you you watch the team and you're like, this doesn't look like a, a a college football playoff team, and they win games by like a touchdown against like a really bad Big Twelve team or a team a team like Tulane who's not horrible, but it's Tulane and they win by five points, that kind of thing. I feel like they they do this and then they just turn it on towards the end of the year sometimes, and then they'll. You know, we'll see if they'll get in the college football playoff, playing in the Big 12, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, indeed. Well, speaking of another playoff football team, Notre Dame was really given a run for their money by Florida State last week. The Irish and Seminoles went to overtime in Tallahassee, and Notre Dame eventually won off of a winning field goal. They won the game 41-38, to so they didn't look all that sharp, Nick. Of course, the Irish played in the ACC last year. Now they're an independent again, and their schedule is not easy. Um, so what do you make of their loss? Um, or their, their close win, excuse me. Yeah, their win, yeah. So it was a close win. Um, it seemed like they had it. It was like late uh, late in the second half, and they had the game won, but Florida State kind of mounted that comeback, scored two touchdowns, I think, in the, in the fourth quarter uh, to force that game into overtime. And so uh, – Notre Dame was the better team. They had the game won, but it was just a little bit of a spurt of energy at the end by Florida State. Notre Dame just has to be able to close out games, which they almost didn't in this game. And I think maybe that's just this. Maybe could it be a learning experience for for the Fighting Irish going forward? Because they, like you said, they got a lot of tough games. Even I don't know why they haven't just joined the ACC or a conference already, but whatever. But they have a tough tough uh, schedule ahead, so it's not going to get any easier than just Florida State. And this is another otherworldly circumstance where this game meant a little bit more to, excuse me, Florida State because of the improbable, heartwarming return of Mackenzie Milton. By the way, kudos to him. That's absolutely incredible. So that was cool. With that in mind, it's kind of like what I said about Tulane. I'm not certain we're going to see Florida State play that good of a game for the rest of the season. Let's take a look at the Irish schedule. They've got Toledo and Purdue the next two weeks. If they don't win those two games, they're pretty much dead in the water. Then it gets tricky. At Wisconsin, Cincinnati, by the way, a new member of the Big 12, along with Houston, UCF, and BYU, I believe. And then at Virginia Tech, another ACC school, USC, Carolina. So after these next two games... The Irish have five straight games against teams that are currently ranked. And I know Carolina and Wisconsin were did not exactly play up to potential last week, but they've still got potential. So all this in mind, I mean, I'm very worried about the Irish. I really am because yeah. time and time again, they have come into the playoff after playing a week schedule and they've proceeded to get humiliated year in and year out. I know – they actually covered their game versus Bama last season, but, I mean, it's going to be much more difficult for the Irish to run the table this year like they have in years past. 
Yeah, and they, I mean, probably because they keep getting embarrassed in those playoff games or in bowl games towards the end of the year, they obviously wanted to schedule harder opponents, and that's what they did this year. So it'll be it'll be more of a test if they win. If they just lose maybe one of these games, then I think they'd definitely be into the college football playoff. If it's two, then obviously not. Most two win, two lost teams aren't going to get in. But this is a tough schedule playing. I didn't even know Cincinnati was seventh in the country. Like just playing playing these teams that usually aren't amazing. Like maybe Virginia Tech hasn't been like a story college football program, but these are ranked teams and they could be tough opponents. For I actually games, I so. actually disagree with you on one, and I think if. Notre Dame loses one game, then they're not going to make the college football playoff because of, and it's not necessarily because of them. They're playing a good, tough schedule. It's because of those around him. I mean, you look at Bama, Georgia, yeah. Oklahoma, and Ohio State. I know Ohio State has a tough card tomorrow against Oregon, but I mean, the competition is just really, really up there. I'm sorry, it just is. But that's true. Yeah, yeah it's it's really not going to be easy for the Irish to make the playoff. But do you know what is easy? Podcasting with Anchor. All right, let's get into the world of professional baseball. Definitely Nick's strong suit. So, we start in the Bronx. The New York Yankees, not too long ago, were the winners of 13 straight games. That has disappeared faster than the speed of light. So, the Yankees were ahead of the Red Sox a couple weeks ago. Right now, they're game back. Both teams are playing right now. Both teams are losing right now. The Yankees are going to lose. They're down 10-3, to down to their final out. Boston is down 4-1 to in the bottom of the sixth inning in Chicago. So, who knows? And then the Yankees are just half a game ahead of Toronto, who is trailing 6-3 to the Orioles. We'll talk more about the Blue Jays later. So, I mean, but Nick, the fact of the matter is, is that the Yankees went from cloud nine to cloud zero in a jiff. Their playoff position is in serious jeopardy right now. So with this in mind, do you think they can recover from everything that's happened? First of all, I think this is amazing. This is this is so great. I'm not even a Red Sox fan like you, and I just love seeing the Yankees lose because I don't know, that's, that's how my dad taught me. So this is great. But anyway, uh, so with a loss tonight, I think they're going to have lost like 11 out of their last 13 games. As you said, they were on that winning streak, and now it's plummeted it down. It's kind of been a little bit of a roller coaster. Can they pick it back up? I think they'll win a couple games, of course. I, I don't think they're going to lose out the rest of the season. I mean, we got a, what, a few weeks left in the season. I think they'll pick it up a little bit. Um, I don't know. Like you said, I'm not, my um, my stats aren't amazing on, on baseball, so – all right now, are they good enough to like make the playoffs? Like, right? They're half. They have a half game edge over Toronto right now. And if they go below Toronto, are they out of the playoffs? If they go below, below Toronto, they're out of the picture. If the season were to end today, okay. we got about three okay. weeks left. We got about three weeks left. Okay, so yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be close. Let's. I gotta check who they got coming up, but I think they I think they should be able to pick it up. I, I don't know. I'll let you talk more about some of the opponents. I know they play the Red Sox in a few weeks. Um, yeah, they do play the Red Sox in two weeks. So those will, those will be a big series against the Red Sox, I'm sure. They've got the they've got two more games in Queens after tonight against the Mets. Then they have a rain delay makeup against the Minnesota Twins, who, by the way, they absolutely own. There's no excuse if they, for them to lose that game. Then they go to Baltimore for three. Then they have three at home against Cleveland and Texas. Then it gets tricky at Boston, 
They're one and six at Fenway this year, at Toronto. Toronto just took four straight against them at Yankee Stadium. So why would you expect it to be any different at Rogers Center? And then they wrap up the regular season with the best team in the American League in the Tampa Bay Rays. So over the next eh, week and a half, I like their schedule for them. But at the end of the line, oh boy, it is a gauntlet. So that being said, I mean, if they don't... So let's take a look at after tonight, if we're not going to include tonight... 1, 2, 6, 8, 9, 12. 12 games. If they don't go at least, let's say 8 and 4. If they don't go 8 and 4 in those 12, I'm just going to write them off. We learned the hard way not to write them off too early when they stormed back to overtake the Bo Sox. But, I mean, if they don't go 8 and 4 against these teams, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, as you said, the, the Yankees, they're, who have they been getting pounded by? It's the Toronto Blue Jays. They're entering play on Friday, the Jays. Like you said, I won eight straight, and we're sitting just half a game back of New York for the second Wildcats spot, as you mentioned earlier, Liam. Um, after briefly sputtering, Toronto is red hot and right in the thick of things once again. Liam, how valid? And you talked about it a little bit. How valid do you think this Blue Jays team is right now? By the way, the Yankees just popped up into their final out, so they lost tonight. Gotcha. They're now a game and a half back of Boston, pending the results of their game. Toronto is down 6-3 to Baltimore, top nine. They have two outs left to work with. Robbie Ray, a Cy Young front, front runner, didn't even make it out of the fifth inning, so that's interesting. They gave up three unearned runs in the seventh inning. It seems like defense was the issue for the Blue Jays tonight. But, I mean, I'm still going to go to the grave saying that this offense is far and away the best in baseball. If they're right, if they're right, they are the best offense in Major League Baseball. And to be honest, they terrify me. I would much rather see the Yankees in a one-game playoff than the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm, that's just the truth. I would. So that being said, yes, the Blue Jays are absolutely legitimate, even though it looks like they're going to lose to the Orioles tonight. I'm absolutely terrified of them. Oh, man, I mean, they, they went into New York and just blew the doors off of them. So they didn't even let the Yankees hold a lead in the series. That's the first time since 1924 the Yankees have not held a single lead in a four-game series in the Bronx. That's unbelievable. Wow. And you look at some of the other teams they've been beating, they swept the Oakland A's last weekend too. That's a good baseball team. How are you not scared of the Blue Jays at this point? I just don't see any logic behind not being scared. Absolutely. Yeah, so for the, uh, the NL West, Liam, San Francisco took two of three for the Dodgers last weekend. The division was all tied up entering to this, into the series, uh, but the Giants took control. Entering play Friday, the G-Men held a 2.5 game lead over the boys in blue. Liam, who ends up on top in the NL It's West? now a three-game lead as the uh, Giants defeated the Cubbies 6-1 to tonight. The Padres are actually playing... The Potters are actually playing the Dodgers right now. It's a big game for Slam Diego, holding a one-game lead over Cincinnati right now. It's also a big game for the Dodgers. No score, middle of the second inning. So that, that game is not going to be finished by the time we are done recording. But, you know, even though the Dodgers have been the quote-unquote hotter team as of late, both teams have been really hot, I still think the Giants closed it out. Even when the Dodgers tied, it, tied up the division, they have since stormed back ahead and, 
you know, with three weeks left in the season, I have a hard time believing that the Dodgers are going to be able to make up three games on this Giants team. And that's not a knock on the Dodgers at all. That's not a knock on the Dodgers at all. That's testament to how good the Giants are. And realistically, out of nowhere, too. I don't know how the Giants are so good. They're like the Tampa I, Bay Rays. I, They're like the Tampa no Bay Rays of the this NL good. this year. <laughs> I had no idea the Giants were this good, to be honest. Uh, I don't Who, think. Who's their best player? Uh, Chris Bryant. They got him in the trade from the Cubs. Oh, okay. All right. So, <laughs> kudos to them. I mean, yeah, it's really, it's they're doing what Tampa Bay essentially does year in year out: win with not exactly a high payroll. Maybe you have a star player here or there, but other than that, they just somehow do good. But it's the NL East now, Nick tank division you may like to call it because it's just not a good division so Mets won tonight that's good for them they're back at 500 Atlanta is three and a half up on Philly four and a half up on the Mets let's see Atlanta is beating Miami six to two in the bottom of the eighth the Phillies are getting their butts kicked by Colorado 11 to one they're down to their final strike Mets already won tonight so all this in mind Mr. Luttrell, no, you're not a big guy, but give me one teeny prediction about the NL East. Uh, yeah, as you said, the NL East, I'm looking at it right now. Not not very pleasant to look at these, these oh. records. Not Jeez. But uh, as you said, the, the Braves are, are first. Um, I would like to say the Mets would climb up and get that, um, that first place spot just because we have the Syracuse Mets here, so I kind of root for the Mets when I can. So I'd like to say the Mets will, will go up and grab that first place spot. But I don't know, though, with, the, with a couple weeks left, if, that, if that's, uh, are they able to jump the Phillies and, and the Braves uh, within the span of a few weeks? I'm not sure. I might, I might lean towards the Braves on this one. I mean, I still think that Atlanta is the best team in the NL East, even without the services of Ronald Acuna Jr. So I think that is important. You know, the way I see it, whoever wins this division is going to be beaten handily by the Milwaukee Brewers come playoff time. So for them, it'll honestly be like a, yay, congrats, you made it to the playoffs. Whoop-de-doo. You're, you're about to get your butts pounded by the Milwaukee Brewers, who, by the way, are a very good baseball team. I know that the Giants and Dodgers get all the hoopla and the hype, but don't sleep on Milwaukee. Their pitching core is nasty. Okay, time for the history lesson, boys and girls, where we honor great achievements of the past in the coming week. Five years ago today, September 11th, Stan Wawrinka topped Novak Djokovic in the U.S. Open title, collecting his third Grand Slam. Djokovic is going for the counter Grand Slam in the U.S. Open, something you don't see very often, and they're in the fifth set right now. Djokovic is up 2 to nothing on Zverev, a German player who I've never heard of, so it'll be interesting to see if Djokovic can close it out. If he wins, he will match up with Medvedev in the championship. One year ago, Monday, September 13th, Chicago Cubs hurler Alec Mills no-hit the Milwaukee Brewers in the Korean City. Last year's shortened 60-game season had two no-hitters, both from Chicago teams. There was Mills and Lucas uh, Giolito, if I'm pronouncing that yeah, correctly. Giolito. What was it? Giolito. 
Giolito, thank you. Lucas Giolito on the White Sox. He had the other no-hitter. Unfortunately, Giolito is hurt right now. Quite the reinforcement for the White Sox to bring him back, but good that the Red Sox do not have to face him. 25 years ago, Wednesday, September 15th, the Texas Rangers retired the number of a full-court press favorite. No Ranger will ever wear Nolan Ryan's number 34 again. Rightfully so. 5,714 strikeouts, a World Series title, eight All-Star games, and an enshrinement in Cooperstown are why. 21 years ago, Friday, September 17th, Dan Marino's number 13 was retired by the Miami Dolphins. One of the greatest athletes to never win a championship, Marino was the first quarterback to top that illustrious mark. He also has an MVP award, nine Pro Bowls, three All-Pros, a Man of the Year award, and a plaque in Canton. Oh dear, I forgot to say what the illustrious mark was. 5,000 passing yards, that's my bet. So, moving on, the show's almost over, so it's time for Who You Got. The Subway Series will come to an end on Sunday night as the Yankees and Mets do battle. It's a little bit of a later start than most Sunday night baseball games. This one has an 8 o'clock first pitch compared to the normal 7 o'clock. The Bombers have not announced the starter, but it will be Carlos Carrasco for the Mets. Who you got? I'm not, I'm not going to specify whether I'm saying this just to make you mad, but I'm going to say the New York Yankees are going to take down the Mets on Sunday night because why not? I mean, that's not a bad pick at all. I mean, Carlos Carrasco in the Mets picture is 1-2 and two with a 5-8-8 ERA this season in limited action. My roommate is a Mets fan, and let's just say he has his fair share of rants about the Mets and with them Carlos Carrasco. And all the respect to Cookie Carrasco, cancer survivor, mad respect for him, but unfortunately he just doesn't have this this year. I'm I'm also going to roll with the Yankees. And then Liam, a little bit of college football on Saturday, as you mentioned earlier, Oregon and Ohio State. I don't know why game day isn't at this game. I think game day is at the Iowa, uh, Iowa State That game. is because right? Fox has TV rights to this game. Ah, uh, that makes sense. But it is also, like uh, like we were mentioning, it's a big game. Number 12, Oregon, against number three, Ohio State. This game is going to be played at Ohio State. It's an early kickoff at 12 p.m. Liam, who you got? You know, a lot of people here in Syracuse and at Citrus TV are high on the Oregon Ducks. And I'm an or- I like Oregon, but I don't know why they're so high on them. I mean, they did not look exactly look good against Fresno State the other day. That's just the truth of the matter. I'm going to roll with the Buckeyes. I think it's going to be a relatively close game. Let's say I think Ohio State wins it by 10 points. But don't be surprised if Oregon does win this game, but I'm not on the hype train yet. Yeah, I think there's one of the big reasons I'm going to also agree with you and pick Ohio State is this game is at Ohio State. And it's been a while since, I'm guessing, since – Ohio Stadium has been full capacity. So I think the fans will probably be rocking. They'll be excited. It's a big matchup. I don't know a ton about Oregon, I'll be honest, but I think Ohio State um, should be the better team in this one. They're 14.5-point favorites, so they should go out there and and get the win on Saturday. Though the Buckeyes got off to a slow start the other night against Minnesota, C.J. Stroud eventually really started to pick up steam. So, I mean, yeah, I've – Got Ohio State. I'd love to see an upset, but I just don't see that happening. All right, we end with Sunday night football. Waiting all day for Sunday night. This week, 
Andy Dalton's Chicago Bears take on Matthew Stafford's LA Rams. Two quarterbacks in two new places. Which quarterback is victorious, Nick? I when I was doing my research for this, I I like looked this up and I was like, that's that's the quarterbacks for both these teams. Like when did when did that happen? Like I, I honestly I guess I forgot or I I missed it, but it, it's not who I expected. Like I'm I feel like I'm an old man when I say it should be like Jay Cutler versus Jared Goff. Sam something. Bradford, remember him? Sam Bradford. Oh, that was back when they were the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, that was back when they were the St. Louis Rams. <laughs> but no, I think um, I think I'm gonna lean towards the Rams on this one. Um, I think they're just the better team. Again, they have this game uh, at home. The Bears, not amazing. Andy Dalton. I hope that um, Justin Fields is their backup, right? Justin Fields is their backup. I don't yeah. know why he's not starting, but yeah, I hope I hope Andy doesn't do too well. Not, not that I don't dislike Andy, but I think uh, it'd, it'd be more fun. Hey, no, we know you dislike Andy because he didn't do nearly Cowboys. as well as Dak Prescott did last season. <laughs> uh, we're not going to talk about the Cowboys anymore, but no, nah, Andy Dalton not great. Justin Fields better, and I'd like to see Justin go in there because it'd just be honestly it'd be, it'd be more fun to watch. This this game would be a lot more fun to watch if I could watch Justin Fields play against the Rams. So, But I'm, I'm picking the Rams in this one with Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I also agree. I don't know what Matt Nagy is thinking by at least starting Andy Dalton. Maybe he wants him to take the Mahomes-Alex Smith route that I was so keen on uh, the Pats doing with Mac and Cam, but I'm at peace with that now based on what we now know about Cam. So, yeah, I've got the Rams. They're the more talented team far and away. I mean... Chicago's defense is still solid. However, it's not what it was in years past. So I, I, I'm just, I'm a believer that the Rams are going to make the playoffs. Give me the Rams. Give me Matt Stafford to get back to the playoffs for the first time in way too long. Ooh, bold prediction. Is it really? Matt, Matthew Stafford. But most underrated court, dude. He was held back by. The Detroit Lions throughout That's his true. career. Ever Lions. since Megatron retired, they've been wasting his talent. I feel like, I feel like Max Denver's kind of washed, though. But oh, maybe, maybe he'll prove me wrong with the, with the Rams, okay? The Lions, obviously, not a good team. Not, but maybe, he's, with maybe Sean McVay, he's with Sean McVay now. I feel like that's a game changer. It could be. Sean McVay's overrated now, I feel like. so. Oh, we'll see about that, my friend. We will see. All right, I think that's going to be it. Sweet. Thanks for having me on, Liam. Yes, sir. That's Nick Lutrell. I'm Liam Griffin. Thank you, Nick, for being my guest today. And thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Full Court Press Podcast and on Twitter at Full CP Podcast. That's F-U-L-L-C-P Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or t- contact yours truly. As always, stay healthy, wash your hands, be safe, be positive, get that shot. It'll get you into Syracuse football games, among other athletic events. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll see you then.